first of all, thanks a lot. Thank you all from Casco and uh, for inviting me today. And thank you all for coming here in this sunny day and spend it uh, with your bikes at the sun. Um, really, I think it's, it's an important question that we are trying to address here um, in terms of what it means to, to see art in the perspective of commoning. Uh, and I would say that one of the first things that comes to mind is that, first of all, let's, let's share art. It's the beginning of commoning. But I think it's more complicated than that. And I would um, suggest that we could start from the very notion of aesthetics, as you already have uh, suggested. Uh, it's different from art. And see how it, how it might reveal certain potentialities of commoning, especially if we consider it as a place of, of normalization, as a place of creation of certain habits and forms of understanding uh, and giving meaning to the, the world around us. I think um, Ranchier has contributed uh, some interesting uh, ideas on this discussion because he's, he's one of the first people who uh, has actually seen the fact that we are not uh, facing patterns of normalization, forms of learning how to behave socially, how to be part of society, not simply through the formation of ideas that we have, that is ideologies, but also through forms of creation of patterns of understanding our very sense, sense, senses, our very approaches to, to the world through our senses. The famous distribution of the sensible is a kind of um, understanding of this process that I think uh, goes really underneath uh, the level of, of conscience, underneath the level of manipulation of conscience through ideology, and reaches to the hard core of the very formation of the social subjects, which is the, the hard core of learning how to give meaning to what I perceive. Uh, so if we, according to this, uh, to this observation, I think if we need and we try to go beyond what exists, if we need to, to search for alternatives to what exists, we have to question not only our thoughts and our ideas, but also the ways that we process our experiences. I think this is a lesson that we can learn from Rancière's uh, understanding of the, the distribution of the sensible. And this is perhaps an area in which it can, uh, we can think about uh, the very meaning of the commons. Uh, if commons are not what we share in terms of ideas, not the things that we share in terms of, of, of products or goods, but also the, the ways that we give meaning to our shared experiences, then the practices of commoning should really be at the very uh, basis of our questioning of what exists and the way we perceive it. The way that we challenge, therefore, what the, com the created words in which we are forced to participate in through various kinds of uh, dominating um, uh, practices, the very questioning of these words is already a process that should lead towards uh, uh, commoning as a form of challenging existing uh, patterns of behavior and existing patterns of feeling, if I might say. Um, you might recall that uh, Rancher is talking about uh, um, uh, community uh, and politics 
especially the politics that he uh, uh, specifically contra uh, distinguishes the police, that is the form of uh, reproduction of society, which is based on similarity, on 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 on, on uh, imitation of what exists. So politics is a, p a place in which you can discover, you can go beyond what exists. And he says that politics is actually a continuous polemic, I'm a bit paraphrasing here, a continuous polemic over the common, that is over the definition of what we share. So if we combine those two um, lines of, of thinking, uh, we, we might reach to the conclusion that it is important to challenge the patterns of, through which we are giving meaning to our experiences, and at the same time, it is important to use those patterns, to use those forms of challenging those patterns in the formation of worlds, common worlds in the making. Instead, therefore, of common worlds that are imposed on us, common worlds in which we are trapped in, if you, if you might say, we should search for common worlds that are really being built by those who are interested in building them. So they are common worlds we share in the process of being created. Uh, in this context, I think art becomes crucial. Not only because it can provide us a certain forms of experience that go perhaps beyond or are simply different from everyday experiences, but I think also because art might be a very important area in which, in which we can actually explore the potentialities of experience, the potentialities of forming common worlds that are not closed, that are not imposed on us, that are open and, and continuously opened. And how could that be? How could this happen? Um, <coughs> let us uh, try to understand, not in terms of the academic discussions about commons, but about uh, in terms of the actual discussions that are being developed in certain movements throughout the world. What is going on with these discussions? Why is this sudden interest on the idea of commons. <coughs> I believe in order to understand this sudden interest, we should go and search for certain phenomena that are actually being, uh, that are actually emerging in certain places. And these phenomena have to do with a kind of delegitimization of the state, a kind of distrust for the state, a kind of distrust for the very public realm. Those for the, but the public is not anymore for those populations for in those places of the world, is not anymore sufficient in order to describe what we should share. So the public becomes uh, alien, becomes something which is outside us. And you know that uh, there are many, many populations in, in the world which are being expelled from the societies, which feel that they are, they are not part of the common world, or or which feel that really want to create their own common worlds. Both, both things happen. So this kind of delegitimization, this kind of legitimization crisis, if you want, the state, actually creates an interest in commons, although this interest should not, or, or is not always expressed in the same words that we use in, in the academia or the academic discussions about the commons. There is an interest on creating common worlds 
which is not based on the idea that, that the common is what the state provides to us, is what the state guarantees for us, is what the state devises or creates or constructs for us. I think this is important to remember because in this process of discovering commons, there is an actual shift in the politics and in the forms of uh, dissident uh, uh, actions. Um, the important, however, element in this process is not simply to realize that the creation of common worlds should be based on people and not authorities, which authorities authorize the use of public space, for example, or public realm in general. That's the, the, the most important point in this process is to realize that this is a shift in the very relations that are being uh, <coughs> involved in the process. And those relations, I think, critically involve a new phenomenon. The fact that people who are part of this process are not necessarily, necessarily part of a very specifically arranged and, and uh, unchangeable community. They are often newcomers to a community in the process of being formed or in the process of being transformed, if you want. So the, this new era of commoning is not a repetition of a former era in which communities had members and those members shared in, through a certain process certain resources and certain values and certain thoughts, if you like, and ideas. No, this is a process which is quite different because it comes from a crisis of the public. It's not a going back to the community. It's not a fantasy of reinventing communities. It's, I think, a process which produces new forms or, if you want, new institutions, new kinds of arrangements of practices, if that would be a very uh, hasty way of describing institutions. Repeatability of practices is actually what is being formed through institutions. So in this process of, of uh, finding commoning as a tool through which we can explore new common worlds, it is important to see that the community of commoners is always in the making. And on the, at the same time, this community of commoners is open to newcomers. Let us not forget that certain communities which create commonwealths can be very much against uh, the ideas of equality, democracy, and plurality. We know communities of commoners but that were actually nationalist, fascist, whatever. That they were forming their, their common ground as a very exclusionary common ground in terms of the outside. Of course they had relations of, even relations of solidarity between them. We know that the fascist, uh, for example, organization had certain relations of solidarity, but above that relation should always be the leader, the Führer, and so on. So this is a process in which it is uh, important to distinguish between formations of communities of commoners that are uh, uh, enclave-bound, self-enclosing, uh, um, and communities of commoners that are always open to newcomers. I think this is an important point so as to uh, understand the possibility of e always uh, uh, um, seeing commoning as a process that expands and not limits itself. If there is a word, if there is a description of that might produce the opposite of commoning, 
is enclosure, as we know. Okay, what is enclosure? It is closing of the limits. It is uh, producing barriers around something, either specially or uh, temporarily. So if you want to go always in the direction of commoning, you should never accept the barriers that are being erected, even though those barriers might be protective measures in order to protect a certain uh, community of commoners under threat. Even in this case, the threat is more like to produce the, exactly the opposite of commoning, that is, a new form of, of enclosure. And I would add to this, to this um, um, idea about commoning also the fact that we should understand those common worlds created through commoning as worlds in which we, we need to develop practices of comparison and practices of translation. And this directly, I think, links also to the potentialities of art. What is a comparison? Comparison is a process through which you can not simply tolerate difference, see that somebody is different, but you find that there are certain things that you share with those who are different, and those comparisons can indeed produce potentially a common ground. So comparison is a first step, is a necessary precondition for producing common ground. Translation is a step further. It's not easy to devise ways in which you can communicate with others who are different. It's not easy to translate, therefore, and we all we and we all know that there is always something lost in translation as the motto goes. But indeed, it is a process through which we can find, not simply interesting to compare our experiences, but also to develop out of them shared directions, shared forms of, of, of uh, experiences that can produce new levels of communication. Isn't this, uh, isn't this a potential area of art, isn't this an area in which artistic practices are really doing a, a, an important social research? Translating, always translating experiences, translating thoughts, translating images, transla translating words. Translating means, not, not, means never being uh, satisfied with the translation. Always trying to develop ways to form this kind of passages from one language to another, from one experience to another, from one imag imaginary formation to another, from, from one image to another. So translation and comparison can be very important tools, not only for commoning in general, but for commoning art, that is, for producing uh, ways through which art can indeed invite newcomers, compare experiences and expand those experiences towards a potential common ground. This is, to my mind, a, f uh, a way through which art as aesthetics, that is, art as a process which challenges the distribution of the sensible, can indeed go on towards the direction of commoning. Um, <coughs> and I would say that through this process, Art should not, and commoning should not, if I may say something in the form of should, uh, should not actually uh, attempt to enclose itself in any kind of, of privileged community. Not only those who know, 
not only those who can support either as institutions or as independent researchers, not only those who are able to commodify or to take advantage or to give potential um, um, the power to certain artists to create. Sometimes you need the money to do that. Not only those, but always going beyond those, not always in a way challenging the limits of the community which is uh, uh, potentially the, those who receive art or those who engage in art or those who produce art. So blurring actually the boundaries of any community is an essential aspect of commoning if commoning is to remain commoning. If commoning is not simply an intermediary process through a new form of enclosure will actually be produced. And this, of course, uh, has to do with identities, too. It has to do with who is uh, allowed, who is legitimized as a producer or as a, as a consumer of art. Always changing those roles means, at the, at the bottom of, of, of this discussion, refusing the enclosure of identities, too. If identities are not simply places in which you barricade yourself, but actually areas through which you can negotiate, through which you can offer to translations, then identities, especially in art, not only in its production, but also in its uh, reception, are really identities in the making. I would dare to call them liminal identities. I, I've used this word sometimes, so as to describe a process which is more like crossing thresholds than defining areas, places. Hmm? So indeed, this process can create open identities, not non-identities, not non-existing identities, but identities that are from the very process of being formed are always oriented towards translation. And I think if art has to do something in this, in this area, then it might possibly contribute to the devising, devising, it's, I think it's inventing forms of translation. Translation is a creative activity. Translation is an activity that needs always to, to devise new tools. It, that's why it's so stupid to translate automatically through the internet. <laughs> you know that. Translation is a creative process, is a production. It's not a repetition is not a reproduction. Translation is the very matter through which we can create common words. I strongly uh, am against this idea that commoning is a homogenization process. Commoning is, is exactly the opposite. It's a process through which we discover forms of translation and it's a process through which we continuously devise the words that we share. And just to, to finish my this, this, this kind of thinking about commoning and the art, I would say that there are certain things that are being modified in terms of the content or in terms of the gestures towards uh, art um, um, attempts to state a few things. And these things are uh, necessarily uh, changed once they enter the process of commoning. So, for example, art should or would or does express certain thoughts. Well, 
perhaps we have to rethink about that. What kind of thoughts can be translated? What is the process of sharing thoughts? In, in certain, um, a few things that I've written, um, in certain ways I've tried to develop through this idea of thought images coming from the Frankfurt School and especially Walter Benjamin, this idea that thoughts can be not simply illustrated through images, but can be circulated through images that can, in a way, develop them. And through images, you, sometimes you can develop thoughts collectively, or at least, at least through continuously exchanging um, ideas about those thoughts. This is what, for example, certain of the writers of Frank the Frankfurt School have actually done. They have not simply uh, stated a few thoughts and then illustrated them, but they tried to develop them through images. And this is a form, indeed, of this is an artistic form. This is a form in which you do not simply say what you want. You don't really exactly know what you're trying to find out. But you share, through those images, facts of life, uh, common experiences, through which you can develop ways of understanding. And this is produced through those images. It is not um, created before the images. It is produced as the images evolve and emerge. Also, this idea of uh, producing forms of imagination, that is, prefiguring. This is a, a word that has sometimes been used and overused. Um, what does it mean to prefigure? Does it mean to create the future in advance? If this is so, this is stupid or this is religious. It's different. You can judge it in different ways, but in both ways, it's not easily connected to emancipatory politics. But if by prefiguring you can, you may mean trying, rehearsing the future, or trying to understand what the future might be as a field of possibilities, <clears throat> then we need imagination as forms that can go beyond what exists. If we cannot find ways to think about this beyond, if you, we cannot find ways to put this in images or in or in sounds, or in colors, or in tastes even, then we cannot uh, really challenge what exists. The only uh, possibility of being able to go beyond what exists is to be able to build potentialities out of what exists. And this is an essential, um, <coughs> I dare say, human uh, privilege the, the, the privilege of being able to project, and it is, of course, corrupted when this projection is becoming uh, something like a, um, uh, an obligatory uh, enclave of, 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 of future through which uh, the future is, is trapped in advance. No, I'm talking about this potentiality of being able to imagine a beyond. And last, of course, it's the possibilities of doing things, acting in ways that are different uh, from what exists. Is acting also part of this potentiality created through art of commoning? Yes, perhaps. We know that lots of arts have to do with performances. Lots of arts discover new ways of behaving, 
new ways of understanding even on the molecular level of the body, the level of, of the beginning of acting, eh? the level of which is at the basis of acting is, is the, the, the gestures of the body. And we have, we know lots of works and lots of, uh, of, of, of uh, explorations in performative arts which are actually oriented towards discovering the potentialities of those potential common worlds. For example, in contemporary dance, you have sometimes an exploration of potential movements which are unthinkable in everyday life, but at the same time are part, are, are, are inspired by everyday life gestures. So how can you expand the potentialities of everyday life gestures and acts through, for example, the explorations and uh, the inventions of, of modern contemporary, rather contemporary dance, or contemporary theater, or contemporary cinema, which gives you the way to understand yourself in a different way, in a different context, gives you new kinds of understanding time and space. This is part of our education now. It's not simply outside. It's becoming, it's already becoming part of the tools uh, that we have to shape new worlds, new common worlds. I, I will finish, yes. So, um, if, at the same, uh, if all this ends up at something, I think it could uh, end at this idea that uh, at art may help us not, on, not simply <coughs> um, enjoy something in common, but at the very uh, basis of it, it may help us to devise forms of being together differently, forms of social relations that we don't experience yet, but can be experienced and can be constructed out of the experiences that we already share and be directed through the possibilities of translation. At the, um, at the very <coughs> bottom of it, I think this is the quintessence of the adventure of art being able to go beyond what exists. Thank you very much.